Paul liked to lift up, to boast about the work of God among the churches today. And perhaps pastors today are guilty of not boasting about their, their church or their people enough. We should be excited about the work that God is doing in and through our lives. And we should share that with others. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, we're picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, two weeks, chapters 8 and chapter 9, that Paul deals with the topic of giving. For them... They had a year earlier pledged to give an offering to the suffering church in Jerusalem. And I had said last week that they were between 12 and 13 years away from Jerusalem actually being destroyed. And so they're already suffering there. They hadn't until AD 66. They wouldn't go into a full rebellion against Rome. That had not happened yet. We're probably around the years either A.D. 56 through 59, when this letter was written. And so Paul is going to make his way back to Corinth as he makes his way back to Jerusalem to end his third missionary journey. And a year before, the Corinthian believers were excited about giving an offering to the church there in Jerusalem. And Paul bragged on them to the other churches, especially he referred to last week, the church in Macedonia. He'd been bragging on the church in Corinth. And apparently Paul had learned that they hadn't quite completed the offering that they had promised. So he's basically telling them, I'm going to be heading back that way. I would really like this business kind of out of the way before I get there. Paul ended up wintering there for three months. We know this because of scripture. So he would spend three months with them in Corinth and he was just wanting to get this issue out of the way, the gift and the offering that he'll talk about here in our text today. But we also learn about it from Romans chapter 15, verses 25 through 28, when Paul, now the offering has been collected and Paul is writing to Rome And telling about his plans, he's ending his third missionary journey. He's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. He says in Romans 15, 25, in verse 26, he says, For it pleased those in Macedonia and Acacia 
to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. And it pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. So basically saying that since the Jews shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were benefactors of that spiritual truth, then it was right for the benefactors of the spiritual truth then to take their material wealth and to share it back with the church there in Jerusalem, especially because they were in this place of hardship and suffering. So today we're going to look at a message called Cheerful Givers. Everybody smile. It's a happy message that we're going to look at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to see in verses 1 through 5, generosity, not grudging obligation. Verses 6 through 9, sowing and reaping. Verses 10 through 15, thanksgiving and prayers. And we open up in verses 1 and 2, and we find that in ministering to the saints, he says, now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Acacia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. First, Paul called their offering to Jerusalem ministering to the saints. Concerning this ministry to the saints, it is the same Greek word where in Acts chapter 6, we learn about the seven deacons that were appointed to serve tables. It's that same Greek word of serving tables, and or it's the word we get deacons from today in our English. And so to provide food or to supervise its distribution, and here it's a provision of wealth to help in their needs that they had in Jerusalem. Paul felt that it was unnecessary for him to write to them about this offering because he had already witnessed their willingness to give the offering more than a year ago. And in fact, Paul had boasted to the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia was a region over there in the Middle East, north of Israel, actually north of Greece, as we know it today, Macedonia would have been a region. So talking about several churches, somewhat saying like in the area of Lake County, here in Lake County, we have several churches. And Paul had went about that region and he boasted about the church in Acacia. Acacia, again, is the region of Greece. And Corinth was part, a city within that region. And he boasted about their zeal toward this work. It was their zeal, the zeal of the Corinthians to give the offering to the believers in Jerusalem that stirred up the hearts of the people of Macedonia that we learned about last week. The Macedonians had actually given in the abundance of their joy. This is what we learned last week. They gave in the abundance of their joy, the riches of their liberality beyond their ability and that that offering was free willing. They gave it from their heart. And in fact, 2 Corinthians 7, 4 says, Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly 
joyful in all tribulation as he boasted about the Corinthians, not just because of their willingness to give, but because of the work of Jesus Christ in their lives. He said, great is my boldness of speech toward you and great is my boasting in behalf of you. So having become an example to the other churches, Paul called them to live up to their boast. This just kind of came across my mind here, but almost, I believe 99.9% .9 of all parents have been caught doing something that they have told their children not to do, and they've been busted on it. Yeah, but you're doing it. And here, Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, you don't want to get busted on this one point. You said you'd do this. Now let's fulfill your boast or fulfill your offering. In verses 3 and 4, he said, Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So a year earlier, as I said, they had pledged this offering. It's a year later, Paul's making his way to close out his missionary journey, and he's going to go back to Jerusalem. It's months away before this is all accomplished, but he's preparing them to collect this offering to make sure that it was accomplished. As I said, he would winter with them for three months, and he kind of said, I don't want this to be an issue between us while I'm there. Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way that we can worship together once I arrive, in 2 Corinthians 8.24, it tells us, Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. And in a sense, Paul is saying, prove to the others. Prove it. This is what you said you would do. Let's fulfill that pledge. And then he kind of gave the scenario. What if some folks from Macedonia show up with us? Not only will we be Embarrassed if you neglect to fulfill this commitment, you yourselves would be ashamed because of their confident boasting in you. Paul loved to boast about the churches that he ministered to during his missionary journeys. Writing to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 1 3 and 4, he said, We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. They were bound to give thanks. He said, we boast about you guys. This was to the church of Thessalonica, but he also boasted about the church of Corinth. And we read last week that he was boasting about the churches in Macedonia. Paul liked to lift up, to boast about the work of God among the churches today. And perhaps pastors today are guilty of not boasting about their, their church or their people enough. And you know, in the church in the United States today, I can just say if you boast too much, you're going to get into that dangerous area of pride. You've got to be careful about pride yeah, but 
We should be excited about the work that God is doing in and through our lives, and we should share that with others. And I think there's a great difference in boasting about the good works of the Lord through the lives of believers than an issue of pride being raised up in someone's heart. So he says in verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time to prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you have previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as grudging obligation. So again, at the end of last week, we learned that Titus and two unnamed brothers were coming. They were going to deliver this letter to the Corinthians, but they are also there to assure that the gift would be given. And they're not going to force anyone, but they had made this pledge and they were just coming to encourage. Not Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. Chapter 7 they gave free willingly. This is something that Paul taught about in chapter 8, I mean, free willing. Chapter 9, cheerful givers. We'll get into that term in a moment. But it's a matter of generosity. What's coming from the heart, not a forced obligation. And again, Paul, planning to win her there. We learned this in Acts 20, verses 2 and 3, where Luke tells us, about the close of his missionary journey, when Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, he talked about staying there in Greece, which is the same as Achaia, where Corinth is located, staying there for three months. So Paul wintered with them there. And he wanted this offering complete before his arrival. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, he had written about it to them in the first letter. He said, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So this was a general instruction to the churches. We learn about the churches of Macedonia already received the offering. The churches of Galatia, now mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, he gave them the same thing. But also, I like this, but on the first day of the week, the first day of the week, on Sunday, when you guys gather together, there's always been people kind of curious about why does the church worship on Sundays? Well, we tie it all the way back to the Lord resurrecting from the grave on the first day of the week, on a Sunday. But then in the book of Acts, we discover that they talked about meeting on the first day of the week. They would meet from house to house during the week, but there came this first day of the week. And here in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of the week, when you guys gather together, lay something aside for this offering. But he said, as a matter of generosity, not grudging obligation. And so as a matter of generosity, eulogia is the Greek word for this. Eulogy, we kind of have a term for this in worship, especially in the Catholic churches to do a eulogy. We use that too in the Protestant churches to eulogize someone. It's to either bless or to praise 
And it's this word, matter of generosity, to speak good of someone, to give praise, but here referring to the offering that they were to bless others with. That it would not be of grudging obligation. The Greek word actually could be translated as covetousness or greediness. And one of the translators translated uh, verse 5 in this way, saying, as bounty or blessing on your part, not as covetousness on ours, not as extorted by us from you. So we think, you know, if we'd read it in the English, this is what I think. I don't know about you guys. I read in the English, not of grudging obligation. Okay, I'll give, but I really don't want to. But pastor's making me. And I've been in some church services. Thankfully, my dad never did this. But uh, I was in a church service once where they had a missions offering. They had an amount that they wanted. They failed to get the amounts. And the pastor got up and acted like an auctioneer. And he pulled out his wallet and he said, I got $5. Who's got 10? You know, they're kind of like build up the offering. And I heard one of his deacons after church say, well, he might not be able to preach very well, but he sure can raise money. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know if that's what you want to be known for. No, not of grudging obligation. You don't want it from the pastoral side of things that it would seem like the pastor extorted the funds from us. But as a matter of bounty, as a matter of blessing, Eulogia, the worship, we bless others. So Paul stressed in chapter 8, their offering was to be free willing. Paul wanted them to give from a willing heart to bless others with their generosity and not to give from grudging obligation or not to feel that the apostles had forced them to give. Philemon, he had this similar phrase, but he was talking about a person, not an offering, In Philemon, he was writing to, Paul wrote to Onesimus about the slave Philemon. And he asked, he said, in Philemon, one chapter book, verse 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. This is what Paul wanted. He wanted people to serve from the goodness of their heart whether giving an offering or giving a, this was a slave, giving a person, which is mind-blowing to us, or anything else that we do for Christ. Not in compulsion, but voluntary. And Paul encouraged them to be ready, to be prepared, that he and they would not be ashamed. And may the grace of giving really come from hearts of worship. And sowing and reaping, We discover in verses 6 through 9, he talks about this sowing and and reaping. It's really an observable principle that we see happening. Every spring, the sowing takes place. Every fall, the reaping takes place here in northern Illinois. And he says in verses 6 and 7, as we move to our second point, sowing and reaping. But this I say, he who sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we have this word bountifully. It is ep eulogia. So we're back to the eulogia again, where he talked about their generosity, that blessing, and he's using it again. It's got the preposition in the Greek as a P, and so they have the preposition that can mean on, at, or by. So basically, he's saying to give by blessing. I wanted you to give by blessing. So he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows by blessing will also reap by blessing. You're going to reap it back. But the Greek word could be translated as by blessing or by praise. Paul gives this, again, this observable principle of sowing and reaping. If you go out in the fields in the springtime and plow it up and you have your, your seed and you're very skimpy with the seed, don't expect a bountiful harvest. If you plant, I, I can't believe this one time, but my folks, we had, I've mentioned this in our church before, I didn't eat canned vegetables per se, until we moved to California when Lily and I were 32 years old. My mom and dad had a garden, and once we even, Lily and I got married, we continued to work that garden with them. It was a large garden. One year, mom and dad, I don't know what got in their heads, but they planted 75 tomato plants. We had a lot of tomatoes. <laughs> That's a lot of tomatoes. And, and we canned tomatoes every year. Again, we did not eat. Um, we froze and canned our veggies. And uh, that's what we did for me growing up. And it was work. It was labor. And if you had 75 tomato plants, you got more than one tomato from every plant. I can guarantee that. There were hundreds of tomatoes that we dealt with. Now, some of my siblings... To this day, they don't like certain vegetables because of the work that they put into that garden growing up as a kid. And it just kind of, I don't want green beans. I got tired of grocery sacks full of green beans. But we would have to wash them, clean them, break them, blanch them, freeze them. I even know how to do this stuff. But if you put in, if you sow bountifully, the hope is, if the weather is well, everything goes well, you're going to reap bountifully, as long as the season is favorable toward you. In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, it's almost an enigma where the Solomon says, there is one who scatters yet increases the more, and one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also water himself. He's saying there's one who seems to be always giving away everything that God gives him, and he increases. And then there's one who seems to be very frugal, and he, he keeps actually more than he needs, and he's in poverty. It was something that Solomon observed, saying that this is kind of strange, because it seems like the one who saved should be, have wealth, and the one who scattered and gave away what the Lord had blessed him with should be without wealth. But God blesses those who give. In this proverb, 
we just see that the reverse is true. They, they are generous souls and seekers of good, and they place their trust in God and not in their wealth. Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word this day. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a blessing to us. Help us, Lord, to maybe we've been on the receiving end of joyful giving. And Lord, help us to have hearts of thanksgiving. Uh, for those who have given gifts to help supply our needs, Lord, Lily and I have been in those situations. And we are grateful, Lord, for those times. Lord, perhaps we're on the other side where we're able to supply the needs of others. And Lord, let it not be prideful. Let it be, Lord, that cheerful giving, that blessed state of mind that you give us to help in your work. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that the greatest gift ever given was from our Father, and which is you, our Savior Jesus. Your death, burial, and resurrection when you paid the price of our sin. Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would come to that saving knowledge this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847 847- 265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.